0: Hello, 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 I can't do the accent. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Truanile. Featuring me and me only. Thank God, yes. Liz is finally out of the picture. Uh, just fucking kidding. Uh, Liz is out of the town, actually. So it is just me, Brace Belden, and, of course, joined by producer and manservant. Just kidding about that. Uh, young Chomsky uh today we have a, a little bit of a – it's a. It's not a two-parter because it is one episode, but there are two parts to this episode. I will be interviewing Alex Norton of the Morningstar newspaper about uh, Britain, and it's uh, the pedophile election, which I call it. And it's just actually any election where the Tories are running. And then Liz and I uh, discuss some Jeffrey Epstein – some weird stuff going on here with his uh his online presence uh, which you could probably say about any of our listeners as well uh anyways I am I am chuffed to be here my petard is hoisted high and I am shirtless and worthless uh so uh, g- yes welcome to true I look at me I'm, I can't do this without Liz welcome to Truanon, and enjoy the show <laughs> All right. So, let me let me center myself. Let me meditate real quick. Uh. Uh, hello listeners with me today I am joined from across the pond Alexander Norton the ed- an editor at the Morning Star the only English language daily socialist paper in the world Alex how you doing how's the missus what's going on <laughs> The missus as well my days I never thought I'd speak to you so soon after uh, after
1: our joint in the Middle East Mr Belden Yes uh, so, yes uh, for, your, for your listeners uh, you probably don't know um, I am yes, I am a journalist uh, uh, um, and the features editor at the Morning Star in the UK. But I know this, I know this Rapscallion, I know this fellow from uh, from a very different place. Uh, we both took up arms to fight against uh, fascism in the Middle East. I That's, mean, not the whole of Middle East, specifically Syria. You know. But yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What uh, a legend he is! Uh, it's an honour to be on your show. Absolutely, Let's It's good to have I you here. Are pedophiles. you still
0: being hounded by the uh, the bobbies over there for your uh, for your involvement? <laughs> Uh, I, I am, actually.
1: Yeah, I think that's um, I think it's a bit of a contrast because in America, of course, uh, you know, arming yourself and going off to fight Muslims is, 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 uh, <laughs> is applauded roundly by the entire political spectrum. But um, yeah, now over here we are facing quite serious political repression. There's one guy in jail because um, he got photographed or he recorded himself of a group that I know that me neither, neither you or I, brace ever met some Kurdish no. group with a free free letter acronym that we never met, of course. Absolutely. No, he's not. in prison for that. Um, if the status of the YPG changes in the, in the eyes of the the law here and something else, then a few more people go in prison as well. It's definitely shown that it is possible to go down for what we did. Um, even though we're, we're, we're largely considered to, uh, to be good guys by the, uh, by the media, by the public. Well, I but, know yes, the truth. It's pretty serious. I got raided. I got raided. I got the 6- six, AM front door came through and, uh, Bunch of shit went out the house, bunch of computers and phones and stuff like that. So who knows what's going on? Who knows what will go down in the future? But, um, yeah, fingers crossed,
0: eh? Well, speaking of people who deserve to have their computers and phones taken from them. I was just thinking that. (laughs) (laughs) But for very different reasons. Yeah. Uh, There is an election coming up. And and it looks like, um, for those who can't tell by his accent, uh, Alex is in the UK. Uh it, oh, it, blimey, it, it looks like it looks like the Brexit election is about to happen and and uh yeah. things are looking up unfortunately for Bojo. So the the yes. Conservative Party here, what has been like what's what's their messaging going forward? Like how come they're 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 getting this like lead in the polls? Wow, so
1: I mean you summed it up so well that this is the Brexit election and this is the fucking election that Boris Johnson wanted to fight. And he's one of the best people to fight it. He's one of the worst people in the Conservative Party to do anything. Yeah. This man is a rolling disaster. He cannot even keep his dirty laundry out of the newspapers. He's got m- multiple illegitimate children. Um, he was accused of domestic violence towards his current partner. Like, neighbors called the police because he could be heard smashing around in his house. She said nothing, you know, which is unsurprising considering that he was yeah. on, on his way to becoming the Prime Minister at this point. Um, you know, he's a constant scandal. He cannot, he cannot s- stop offending people. Like it's naturally what he is. He's a fat Tory troll, <laughs> and he's a terrible, terrible guy to lead the party. But on this one basis, he he, uh, he tagged his fucking colours the Brexit mast a while ago. He used to be pro uh, Remain in the EU apparently. So this is fucking hilarious. But he's made that his thing because it aligns him with a certain part of the party with, who he appeals to as an Etonian spoiled cunt rich bastard and so that's his part of the party and so he became very pro-Brexit and then he becomes the the best guy really to lead the Tories to be a pro-Brexit party and he has been ruthless he got rid of 21 I believe he got rid of 20 happily fucked off 21 MPs who didn't want to be didn't want to be part of his his government of his project who were, were differing which is the kind of metal that would have been really good to see from the Labour Party and that's what he's made it. He's made himself to be about Brexit and he's made this election to be about Brexit. And the only thing really, and, and that's the only way that he's going to win this, because you've got working class people up north who voted Brexit, voted for Brexit as a, as a, a statement of anger and hatred at the way things have been going for the last 30 years um, with neoliberalism and everything else. A statement of anger about that. And yes, there's elements of containing of of gaining sovereignty over immigration. But sovereignty is the key word here. And they're saying things like I would vote Labour. I agree with the social policies of Jeremy Corbyn, but I have to vote for the party which is in favour of Brexit. And I think in some cases that means Brexit Party, which is considered a sort of one-off protest vote or going to put pressure on whoever wins to be more pro-Brexit. But in some cases that, that might mean Tory, obviously not from ex-Labour voters. So I think there's very few ex-Labour voters who go to Conservative. But we're definitely feeling a pinch from this Brexit Party. And um, I can explain what that is if, if you want. But this is... This is Boris Johnson's election fought over one issue, or one issue alone, when he is doing interviews and they're like, what are your policies? And he's like, get Brexit done. And they're like, what are your other policies? And he's like, well, if we get Brexit done, then we can have some other policies. Yeah, yeah, said, yeah. What, what what gift would you leave under Jeremy Corbyn's Christmas tree? And Jeremy Corbyn said something wonderful as usual. And, um, and Boris Johnson was like, I'd leave him a copy of my manifesto about how we're going to get Brexit done. Yeah. Like, it's so pathetic. I mean, it's he, kind of amusing. And I think that's what his supporters like. It's just this
0: kind of horrible 2d guy. I mean, that's a say, you see that kind of mirrored here with, with Trump is that like, I mean, oh, God, yeah, they know he's like a vile fucking freak creature, but they kind of like him because he's entertaining. Right. I,
1: I think there's I think there's a big difference. I would say there's a big difference between Trump that he could play more of an outsider card coming into politics, because even though he's made some sort of noises about doing politics before Trump, Boris Johnson has been a career politician. Yeah um he's done other shit but that's the kind of shit that politicians do like writing for these right-wing rags and being a a, i think he was a money man at some point but he's always always been towards that he's part of that you know political clubs around eton and oxbridge and that's that's where he was always going to go so you can't really play this trump sort of i'm coming from outside the swamp to drain the swamp he's been part of the swamp for you know, t- over a decade, uh, he's, he's always been a well-known idiot politician. He's the kind of person you used to get on TV to embarrass the Conservative parties, to, to make them seem really out of touch. Because he's an extreme, even for the Conservative Party, so he's an extremely posh, clueless guy who really doesn't care how out of touch he is with the general public. I mean, he's quite happy to say like, oh, most, most working class people are pretty daft anyway. I don't need to explain myself to them. And there's are the kind of comments that he's on record saying, at least his family are like all the time. And it, has, it hasn't bothered him at all. Whereas I think Trump, Trump's always cultivated an everyman thing. Yeah, where he's yeah. Like, yes, I'm extremely rich, but you know, I, I like a good time. You know, he, he Trump basks, basks in his fucking, um, in his, in his vileness, you know, he he, he flaunts the fact that he's always going for like trophy wives and that he's trying to sleep Gold with toilet. everyone that comes near him. Whereas like Boris Johnson's meant to be covering up. He's meant to be like a kind of relatively conservative guy, though he's just as he's just as, just as slippery as a, as a Trump is in practice. I do think they have different kind of things, you know. It's coming from the Tory party. They're the part of the establishment. The fact that anyone could see him as a
0: rebel, it's just puzzling to me. Yeah, well, I mean, and then we have, I mean, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Jeremy Corbyn, who has been the yeah. leader of the Labour Party for the past few years, and has, I think, withstood probably the most abuse I've ever seen thrown at a political figure in in my lifetime, at least. Uh, maybe outside of Barack Obama.
1: I mean, short of facing a coup attempt, like a Latin American leader, I mean, actually, sorry, to be fair, there have been, <laughs> there have been several coup attempts within the Labour Party. <laughs> But, um, I mean, short of being killed, which is what a lot of people suspect would happen as if he was actually elected. Yeah, he has He is faced the most ridiculous and hostile media. And I, we have to touch on the anti-Semitism thing here because this is apparently going to be an issue yep. in, um, in the election. And I mean, this is something that I'm, helping, I'm hoping that you as a member of the tribe can help <laughs> me with. But so this is a concern which is apparently about a form of racism. Leveled at a guy who is so anti-racist. When you Googled Jeremy Corbyn anti-Semitism up until he assumed leadership of the Labour Party, and they started making this about uh, you know uh, the, the party he was you know he was anti-Semitic. If you Googled it, the only story came up was that he had been uh, leading an anti-racist march to defend <laughs> a Jewish area against fascists back in the day, back in the eighties or something like that. That was the only story to do with him and anti-Semitism before he assumed leadership. Now, this is, what, this is the question. If people are concerned about a form of racism and he's a long-term anti-racist campaign, and everyone knows that Labour is the more anti-racist party of the two by far, and that the Tories are very, very racist, they're full of racists, and that Boris Johnson has been racist, why are they elevating this one form of racism, which is very, which is, there are no far, far fewer solid examples of it um, in the Labour Party than there are all kinds of racism in the Tory party. Why are they doing that? And the only suggestion that I come up with is that there must be some kind of latent support for, for Israel kicking the shit out of Muslims in the eyes of the, of the population. And that's kind of why they're like, yeah, yeah, let's get really angry about, um, about anti-Semitism because what we're really thinking about is that, you know, Jeremy Corbyn's anti, anti-Israel and that's what we're angry about. But I just thought that, you know, surely most people are relatively critical of Israel in the UK anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, so what, what What I don't understand is that, because I've been watching this whole like, uh, anti-Semitism stuff, and it's the most cynical shit I've ever, I say this as a Jew, the most cynical shit I have ever seen in my fucking life. When you've got the main three newspapers in in the UK, at least one of which uh, was pro-Nazi basically up until like the middle of World War II, um... You fucking, it's a it in an editorial to say that, oh, Jeremy Corbyn's going to bring this sort of second Holocaust in where it's, it's, I mean, polls show that the Labor Party is less anti-Semitic than any other segment of the population. And it's, it's yes. very clear to me that this, like the cynically, like, and it's, I don't even know, it's, there's, it's on record. It's videotaped that the ambassador to Israel was meeting with the Blairite wing of the party and encouraging them to to basically perform a coup against Jeremy Corbyn. And, and exactly. what me If you me talk
1: is, about this incident, you get called a conspiracy theorist, you get called a crank, and you get called these things. And so much of the Labour Party has gone along with this to a point that, that I think a lot of good people were sort of trapped between a rock and a hard place absolutely. and have to sort of keep going and go out the other side when it should have stopped a lot earlier on.
0: I mean, it's, it's, if we look at, if we zoom out, Alleged, and this means alleged, anti-Semitism cases in the Labour Party represent 005 percent of the Labour Party, and yeah. it's 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 obviously that. I mean, as a Jew, that stuff's a big deal to me. But that it is like a it is a party you can just join, right? So it's not like it's to me it doesn't seem like like of course there's gonna be those fucking cranks who think the Rothschilds or whatever run the world, like. That exists in any large group of people, unfortunately. But it's to call someone like Jeremy Corbyn, who has been campaigning against racism basically his entire life, uh, to have the Tories call him an anti-Semite is is just mind-boggling to me. Especially when two Tory candidates had to step down this election period because of blatant (laughs) anti-Semitism. And it's it's yeah. it's it's interesting to me that they elevate this and that this has become such a huge deal. The entirety of the liberal media is is against Corbyn on this, but when it comes to saying stuff about uh, you know our Muslim brothers and sisters, for example, that totally silent. And of course, Boris Johnson, virulently anti-Muslim. For decades, I wouldn't
1: wouldn't say he was virulently anti anti Muslim, but he's obviously he's actually said things which are insulting to Muslim people. He's conflated people who wear hijabs with the vast majority of Muslim people. He's been kind of he's like a troll. He's like a racist troll. He's nowhere near Trump. Now Trump's actually saying that he's going to put in you know put in place racist policies the muslim ban was one of the most openly fucking bigoted like scarily fascistic figure yeah. i think anyone's seen in, in mainstream western politics in a very long time it was a vicious vicious bigoted thing to do to a particular group of people that you know is definitely clearly scapegoated we, we don't really have anything like that in british politics i'll be honest with you i believe in a violent fucking revolution brace i believe in killing a lot of a lot of people who people today would be seen as relatively moderate, don't get me wrong, yeah. but I'm, we haven't got anything like fucking Trump's Muslim ban or anything like this fucking build-a-wall rhetoric where he's going, they're rapers, they're they're drug dealers, like referring to the entire Mexican people. We don't have shit like that. We have some serious Islamophobia, of course, where people conflate not only uh, all Muslims with with terrorists or jihadis, as I think me and you prefer to call them, or jihadis, salafis, as I prefer to call them, or and then conflate, you know, all Muslims with very extreme interpretationism and then conflate all Asians or yeah. particular uh, co- communities with, with with Muslims as well, which is unfair because, you know, Muslims are a religion and not... Anyway, all of those things, we have we have that problem. We don't have this kind of... We haven't got given rise to any of these sort of Trump, Trump-like policies. And I think there's been a big problem as well with the liberal media feeling, especially considering that this didn't work to stop Trump, you know, this didn't work for the uh, hashtag resistance in America, that if you point out these rude, nasty bigoted, mean things that um, fucking Boris Johnson has said, but this will um, this will fucking noble him. But it didn't nobble him when he said them at the time. You yeah. know, <laughs> when he said, he oh, five years ago, you said this. And it's like, yeah, he said it five years ago and he kept his job. So what difference is he going to fucking make now? I mean, Muslims aren't voting for Boris Johnson and people who care about Islamophobia aren't voting for him either. So the people you're trying to convince are people that don't care about those things. So bringing them up as if they were a trump card, certainly bring them up, as something that paints a broader picture of a guy who's a scumbag, but they, they can't be seen as this, uh, as this motivating thing. People really need to nail the fact, it doesn't matter if he said Muslim women, or it does matter, but it's not the primary thing said Muslim women uh, who wear the niqab look like letterboxes. It matters that millions of people have died, have been, uh, lost their jobs, have lived in poverty for the last 10 years because of his government. Not only that, but all the wars that were in, endorsed by the conservatives yep. in Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, all of these things, these are these are things that Jeremy Corbyn stands against unequivocally. Whereas I think looking for like bigotry or prejudice in his language, it's a bit fucking ephemeral. It's a bit in the sky. Whereas you're talking about, you know, you can point out the number of people who are, who are homeless, who are relying on food banks, because the conservative government over the last 10 years just fucking cut the welfare state for no reason. You know, it hasn't has it hasn't seen any savings anywhere else. just like a vicious, vicious attack because they thought they could do it because of the financial crash. They just took advantage of the financial crash. And decided to fuck up society in their favour a little bit more. And the Tories are running scared on this. They are running scared. They've changed their manifesto. They've acted like austerity is over. And you've got Boris Johnson going out there being like, "I will end austerity." Yes, motherfucker, you started austerity. (laughs) What are you saying? You know, and that's what to pick him up on. Not fucking some bullshit trolling, fucking bigoted articles he wrote.
0: Well, so so what? So if 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 he's such a a son of a bitch, and if his if his government has been so awful, well, then how come Labour can't take a higher, uh, can't take a lead? Because I, I think, unfortunately, it is the Brexit election. And I think that the big problem with Labour is any other election, I think they would sweep it. But, but the problem is, is they're almost unable to take a position on Brexit.
1: Now, this is the thing, because you've had this Corbyn surge, you've had this uh, incredible moment, and it was still yeah, amazing. be it'll be an incredible moment no matter what happens. It's always going to be. And this is again, coming from someone who, you know, fought in a, in a revolution. Yeah. And I would say I've just been just as moved by being just in, in England, in Britain at the time of the Corbyn surge and seeing that there was indeed mass support for socialistic policies, for proper redistributional kind of thinking. And, and that's been an amazing, amazing time. and, yeah, it's just that surge meant that everything got bigger on the left, the far left and the hard left, which are different things, by the way, I'm not going to go into that. It's really fucking boring. And all <laughs> of these other things, they all, we all increased in size and power within the Labour Party, not outside, but within the Labour Party. And it also meant that liberalism increased. So, I don't know, by a factor of of, of whatever, whatever, like 10, 20, 100 percent things increased. And so everything got bigger. And so you then have these huge, huge voices who had these liberal impulses who would panic again about anti-Semitism, just a massive panic, just just um, just apologize and agree to do whatever again and again and again. Which is a very liberal impulse to any particular interest group asking you to do something, which I'm sure people in the Democrat Party in America will be familiar with. And the other liberal thing was to absolutely freak out over Brexit. To assume that working class people voting for Brexit were uh, a, either not working class, but actually, you know, somehow above the working class because blah, 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 blah. blah and then, or that they were just super, super bigoted, uh, regardless of their class backgrounds. And that this entire, this Brexit vote had just been, a I mean, people treat it like it was a vote to deport uh, migrants, to deport all migrants. It's nothing of the sort. I mean, you could take Brexit, you could take a UK outside of the EU in any direction, you could take it to deport all migrants. You could take it to, to abolish the fucking borders. That's not what, it it's not what yeah. Brexit alone does. It's an assumption put onto it that the people voting for Brexit, because it was endorsed most vocally by the right wing, but also with a massive amount of left-wing support, such as Jeremy Corbyn in the past, such as Bob Crow, rest in peace, uh, You know, such as Arthur Scargill, may he live forever. These are left-wing people endorsing Brexit. But this liberal tendency in the Labour Party has managed to get big within the Corbyn surge, and it it creased the hysteria. It's got a lot of funding, of course. There's a lot of funding for this kind of liberal politics, unfortunately, and they've campaigned and campaigned and campaigned. I mean, just looking at some of their marches, their marches were just disgusting, (laughs) liberal, petty bourgeois. I mean, they're vile, stomach-turning affairs. And I mean, some of those people definitely need their hard drives checked. But they were fucking huge, and you have this kind of bizarre thing where you know these these radicals start to flip out as well. You have got these crazy guys like Paul Mason, who used to be yeah a, a, a hardline Trotskyite, and then he was a bit of a kind of he was a bit of an interesting guy. He was over in, in Greece saying the revolution was going to happen in that uh, was about around two thousand and and you know twelve and on, onwards and all of this shit. And, and now know he's like he's like a raving imperialist. He's recently talking about how how the UK could play. Um, could play a role in in NATO imperialism if it specialised, you know, the armed forces. And this is what a left wing journalist is writing about. How did he get there? How did he get there? We say we have this word Romania. Romania is this manic manic condition that people who've taken being pro-EU on the left to the extremes that they do, where they become so detached from everything that they end up being the opposite of left wing. And it's, unfortunately, this this is, you know, Paul Mason is a name that you may have heard of. And these are quite big names on the left that have managed to create this sort of idea that yeah. the left, at least, the, at least in the big cities like London, the left is associated with Remain. And this is not only a problem in the Labour Party where it's true, and these things are starting to get to Corbyn and people saying, look, you need to at least be ambivalent and say you have a second referendum, which basically means you're taking leave off the manifesto. Which is reversing agreements that we made earlier, but it's also the perception in the eyes of the general public. You know, they see these big marches in London. They see people who are going to be left-wing journalists. They're going to go, oh, right, so that's that's what that's what left-wing is. It yeah. left-wing means uh, left-wing means staying with the EU. Right? Then I guess I'm not left-wing."
0: And it's to like be well, thanks a fucking lot. To be clear, uh, <laughs> a lot of Corbyn's project here, a lot of the nationalisation that he wants to do, especially with the railways, that's actually almost impossible if they were just if the if UK was to stay in the EU. I think
1: full on word. Yeah, absolutely. Like <laughs> yes, they will stop absolutely. that. C- completely correct. Yeah. You know, um, whatever way you want to look at it, as well. If you're doing damage to the EU, if you're playing any sort of blow against the EU, you might as well look at it as you know fucking with the IMF. Exactly. It doesn't matter which which angle you're taking it from. It doesn't matter which perspective the people voting f- went from, you know, what they were thinking when they did it. You are, you are doing damage to a neoliberal fucking entity, a neoliberal entity which is fast becoming a military imperialist entity because it wants a
0: European army. I hope you get fucking drafted into the EU army when the UK doesn't leave. <laughs> They're going to make man. you a fucking <laughs> lieutenant. I mean, it's crazy too. And now we're seeing, of course, that like – you know, Corbin had those papers talking about the NHS being for sale, at least the, the certain parts of the drug buying for it. And and I think yeah. that's sort of a foregone conclusion if the Tories stay in power is that the NHS will be chipped away and that like yes. other social services will be. I mean, austerity, they literally can't not do austerity. Like that's what they're, they no, wouldn't have, no, they wouldn't be absolutely. Tories if they you didn't. Know, it's, um
1: it's his backtracking in practice if he wins, Boris Johnson's backtracking and the Dory Party's kind of more social one nation tourism, which is what they've promised in different ways at all sorts of elections. It's complete bullshit. They can't do it. It's not what their financial backers want. And it's obviously not what they want deep down at all. What will happen is there'll be a style change. They'll stop saying things like, you know, we're going to crack down on this and we're going to end benefits loopholes. And they'll start calling it different things. But you know, they don't need to do anything more devious, but just continue the policies that you have now. I and mean, the ensuing social chaos will lead to such a changed country if we have even more five years of the way things are. Though I mean if they will go further, and one of the things they're gonna do is they're gonna make it much harder for trade unions to go on strike. You yep. already have this situation where you have to have a certain percentage um, of people participating in an election before you go on strike, but they're gonna make it even harder. They they've already <laughs> they've been talking about making it so that the trains will run during a railway strike. And it's like, so you're making it so the strike essentially doesn't happen. You're making Yeah, the that's strike-breaking.
0: Strike illegal, right? <laughs> yeah. So, of course, this is a show about what, what you over there called noncery, right? Noncery, and, absolute noncery. And to me, it seems like a vote for the Tories, I mean, especially after all this Prince Andrew stuff comes out, it is a vote for noncery. I mean... It is absolutely a
1: vote for non-su, and I think that's something that people need to take to the doorstep. Um, Boris Johnson came out and defended Prince Andrew, I'm mean, not talking years ago, at the start of this scandal, at the start yep. of the Epstein scandal, which is what? It's, um, it's less than a year old, this thing. And he defended him, and he said they have seen the good that Prince Andrew does for this country. And on the leaders' debate, when they got to the end, and they said... Um, the royal family, what are your opinions? And they could have like one last word. And uh, Jeremy Corbyn said something like a, r- a room for improvement, like in a kind of subtly things like, cause everyone yeah. knows that he wants to chop their heads off. And Boris Johnson goes, they're brilliant. They're beyond reproach. Yeah. And he chose to do this. He chose to do this. Not even a week after Prince Andrew had been on that car crash interview where he basically admitted to being a nonce and refused to apologize for it or to say that he'd give up names or anything like that. And Boris Johnson said the royal family, which means Prince fucking Andrew, are beyond reproach, which means that you cannot criticise them at all. That means they've done nothing wrong. He basically slipped out of his mouth that he couldn't give a shit that Prince Andrew had been noncing around. That's just part of it to him. That's part of the, the world of the upper class that he's part of. I mean, And I- that's absolutely, absolutely something that should be hammered home. I'm not joking. Like, I know no. There's, there's a, sort of lot, a lot of joking in this show and a lot of joking, the kind of work that I do as well. But I'm not joking at all because this is a class issue because it's not upper-class women who are nonced when they're younger. Not in this predatory. I mean, everyone gets nonced by their family mostly, but in this predatory way with these gangs, they're looking for the most vulnerable in society so they can either first shower them with affection and money that they might not be getting otherwise, and then shower them with threats. And it's the most vulnerable working class uh, women who are going to be the victims here.
0: Absolutely. It's,
1: it's the upper class who are going to say that those people's lives don't matter.
0: Yeah, and who in many cases are just going to victimize them more. I mean, it's it's absolutely wild that that, that that Boris Johnson said that. And and it's very telling that the media didn't focus on that at all. I heard not a peep out of that about that from The Guardian, etc. But Jeremy Corbyn saying that he would leave a Christmas Carol underneath Boris Johnson Christmas tree suddenly oh, becomes it, a Nuremberg rally. It's insane to me. It's like <laughs> to, to me, like from over here. I mean, American politics are absolutely totally psychotic. But from watching yeah. just the concerted assault against Jeremy Corbyn and the absolute coddling of of Boris Johnson by the British media, it's it's almost like. I, I, it's, it's, I, I don't, I can't, I can barely believe it. It's like I, I keep thinking I'm missing something. Well, I think, I think what, perhaps what you're missing, um, might be
1: the, the seriousness of the threat. I think at a certain point, probably after the second <laughs> time that um, Jeremy Corbyn was returned to the leadership after yet another attempt to depose him by the Labour Party, and it showed how insanely popular he, he was. Jeremy Corbyn is more popular than the Labour Party because Jeremy Corbyn represents change, represents socialism, represents that people—something that people remember being good in the past. Like people are brought up, really, with the kind of 1945 um, collective myth. And I mean, it's not a myth. I refer to it as a myth because it's part of our mythology. It's something that happened. You know, my family talk about 1945. My family talk about the change that it brought about. You know, my my granny, who's, rest in peace. Was a, was a domestic servant in the countryside. <laughs> that's what she was. And she came out of that because of 1945, because it allowed people to make a start, to get council homes, and she was able to marry and you know, do these things independently and not, not continue to be a, literally a domestic servant. That's where we were before 1945. And so that's why Jeremy Corbyn is so popular. He represents this idea, not of an imagined socialism, but an, an improved version of the, of the socialist settlement we got in 1945. And when the establishment realised, and I mean all flavours of the establishment, I mean your Guardian Liberals as well, who are now crawling out to try and sort of say at least they agree that the Labour Party manifesto is good this time and that, yeah, they can't really argue against this. They fucking went mental at the idea that there would be popular socialism for whatever reason. Obviously, the main reason is class, but they interpret it in different ways. And they went fucking mental about it. And that is why... You have this broad assault where he can say nothing do nothing because the whole of the establishment is united in that and when they unite as I say they interpret it in different ways so it's not like someone who's a famous conservative commentator picks up the phone to you know Owen Jones and says look mate you know we're both famous commentators let's take a pop at Corbyn it's all the people in between who both work for newspapers but you can imagine there's what you know five degrees of separation and those ripples go. The right wing person speaks to a slightly less right wing person. And that guy speaks to a more centre person. That person speaks to a centre left person. And what unites them is the places they go, the people they know, the yep. places they stay and their activities. And that ripple of there's something wrong with this Corbyn thing. There's something wrong with this socialism. It's, it's, it's too populist. It's, it's mob rule. It's, it's bigoted. It's, it's rich phobic. And that, that ripple goes across rich-phobic. those classes. And it goes through the establishment, as I say, it doesn't, doesn't go directly from someone on, on the supposed kind of hard left hard left of the of the commentator's spectrum to the hard right, but it does go through their circles and their class. And you find this, especially, for instance, we talk about the word nonce, calling people nonces, saying nonceries should be cracked down on, you know. Again, this is this is there's this fear around that, there's a fear that this is this is mob rule and that. Um, the wrong people getting all this kind of shit again. This is this fear of the masses, is the fear of popular politics, and that unites um, people as a class at the higher end of the spectrum. Oh, absolutely you get this
0: full spectrum attack. No, absolutely. Well, we got we got to go in a second, but I just I want to. I, I'm not even sure if you can because of UK libel laws, but I want to get your opinion on something. So in the Epstein papers that are going to come out, in the court documents that that they say, the new documents that they might release, there are that is the name of uh, heads of state and prime ministers. And a lot of people think <laughs> that the prime minister is going to be Ehud Barak, which we know he was connected with, the Israeli prime minister, former Israeli prime minister, connected to Epstein. But there's also a lot of talk about a certain... Uh, let's say, new labor leader who might have ran a country called Britain, uh, I guess <laughs> called the UK, uh, he is also <laughs> apparently connected to uh, to old Jeff. So it could be that we do have a secret weapon up our sleeves, and that is, of course, uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Because if if you look, remember that, that Andrew Neal uh, interviewed at this very combative interview against Jeremy Corbyn the other night, on BBC, and Andrew Neil really hammered him and tried to make him apologize for anti-Semitism, which is he did it in a sort of way that's like it's like asking, "Did you quit beating your wife? Like, will yes, you apologize yes, for is. anti-Semitism?" Because of course, if he says, "Yes, I'm sorry for anti-Semitism," that implies that Jeremy yeah. Corbyn is is some sort of anti-Semite, which no one's actually even. Ha- I mean, people accuse him of that; they can't point to anything, but they still accuse him of that. Um, but Andrew Neil, of course is in Epstein's black book. No. Yes. I didn't even know this. He's in the fucking address book. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I mean, these That's- people, there are a lot of snakes in the grass, my friend, a lot of snakes in the grass. Um, anyways, Alex, it was so wonderful to have you on Look, the show. I'll say, I'll say
1: this. Obviously, I can't comment on the obvious nonce that you just mentioned. He's, yes, He's up to his neck in, in Arab blood. Um, but you know what? Whether this election or whether in, you know, a violent insurrection, we will get all these nonsense. I promise you that, my brother.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. I say, from from here, too, we will do our part. All right, Alex, thank you so much for joining our UK correspondent, Alexander Norton, an editor at the Morningstar paper. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot. Take care. Take care. So welcome, Liz. Hello. It's so good of you to join me. Mm, sorry. Hi. Hello. Yes. Hello. You are calling from from the headquarters of the Turkey Trot, correct? Uh, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know what else to say there. Um, um,
2: I know I feel terrible that I am, uh, on this like tin can attached to a string across the street from Brace's apartment when we're talking through this,
0: uh, funny device. Me and young Chomsky are having a boys night. And so Liz wasn't technically allowed in the apartment. So we do have to record without her. Unfortunately.
2: Yes. Um, but, Brace, since you always forget and I'm not in the room
0: to remind you, uh-huh. we should say welcome. Yes, welcome to Truanon. I, of course, am uh, Terry Truanon, Brace Belden. With me, of course, is...
2: Young
0: Jamsky. Liz? Liz? Uh, I, I'm here via, by by a telephone. Oh,
2: Hopefully it's
0: God. not too annoying. No, no. Your, your voice, the dulcet tones of Liz Franzek's voice were, is soothing to my soul. Um. How was your Thanksgiving, Grace? I, it was good. It was good. Went to Jen's, uh, Jen's family's house. Uh, it was, um, I'll tell you this. Epstein came up organically organically. Yes. First of all, there was a guy there who, shout out to him, uh, I'm not going to dox him on the show, uh, actually was unable to get into our live show, which is, I feel bad. I know, I would have got him in, but unfortunately, he got there at 645, and we were already doing our pre-show calisthenics at that point. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I I will say the consensus from this large uh, group of individuals was that Epstein... Was murdered.
2: Uh, I think that that is the
0: consensus throughout America. Well, how was your Thanksgiving? What'd you do?
2: Uh, I'd rather not say. I, I like to remain a woman of mystery. Mm-hmm. But it was it was lovely, and I cooked everything, and it came out
0: perfectly. Yeah, I will say, Liz famed for her cooking. It's true. Yeah, a true a woman. I thoughtful. really am. So, we are talking today about a subject near and dear to my heart, particularly because I have one, uh, which is Wikipedia. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, okay. So, this funny little article came out in the New York Times that is, to be honest, kind of boring. Yeah. And it's all about uh, they some reporters at the failing New York Times got a hold of some tax documents. They were looking into... Uh, the tax status of Jeffrey Epstein's various charities, uh, who he is working with, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, some of it's interesting. You can look it up, but the real juicy part, at least for our purposes, uh, comes quite late in the in the piece, doesn't it, Brady?
0: Yeah, it's pretty buried in there, but it comes out. <laughs> That uh, Jeffrey Epstein, of course, he had to give all his social media names out, uh, and th- that has been reported on. You know, his Spotify page is out there. I have uh, I have personally looked at his Pinterest page many times, hoping for an update, but only he only has a few pictures, including, of course, Peter Pan and um, a uh, rather lame picture of Humpty Dumpty. Uh, which is, I mean, you can connect. His brother does, of course, he is on the board of the Humpty Dumpty Foundation, along with many noted politicos. Uh, but the most, the best part comes is that he actually had to give the names of his uh, uh, reputation manager. If you're rich, you have to hire a reputation manager when you eventually get added as a pedophile. And Jeffrey Epstein did, a woman named Christina Galbraith, the daughter of uh, Reagan's ambassador to France, Evan Galbraith. And uh, Galbraith sounds like I'm mispronouncing my own name for some reason. Um, but uh, it, it, it shows a Wikipedia account, uh, a wiki user, who has um, edited quite a lot on the Jeffrey Epstein Foundation page. Right, Liz? Yeah, so it turns out that Jeffrey Epstein was submitting
2: edit requests for his own Wikipedia page. Yeah.
0: And, and it's, it's, so there's a couple things about this. This, this account technically, but be- probably belongs to Christina Galbraith, but at a certain point it becomes all Epstein edits. And in my opinion, the voice that is coming out of these edits and on these talk pages is Jeffrey Epstein's. Um, for instance, and he, he's, a, he's, I gotta say there is some poster to poster feuding here, which Epstein is not a very sympathetic character. In any case, but this is – I got to say, I've done this same sort of thing. He's uh, (laughs) he's being – basically, he is at war with the mods and the moderators of the Jeffrey Epstein Wikipedia page because they are very um, understandably adamant about including the allegations of uh, pedophilia and trafficking Whereas uh, this account, which is... By the way, the name of of Epstein's account is Turville. T-U-R-V-I-L-L. This Turville... which,
2: by the way, really quick,
0: uh I can't find anything
2: about what that means. And we need to send a little bat signal out to our boots on the ground. And we need you guys to look into this and send us your best ideas about what this could mean because we do know that if this was Epstein's account... You know, never forget MC2. Uh huh. Uh, My man loved dorky symbolism and inside jokes. Yeah. So there's got to be some way to crack the code and what this username means.
0: So there is a village in England called Turville. That is Turville with an E at the end. However,. When Epstein wrote down his social media accounts that he used, when he wrote Turville out, he actually wrote it with an E. So he said his account oh, really? was Turville. Yeah, yes, he did. He said his account was Turville with an E. That account does not exist. However, Turville sans E, uh, of course, does. And I am looking at it right now. Uh, can can ah, I read? Okay, interesting detail. Exactly. So so please, and by the way, Turville with an E, it it, it means dry grass in uh in Mm -hmm. old english and uh let me air anglo-saxon whatever same fucking thing um here's the (coughs) thing though dry grass as i know from my uh arson arrest when i was 12 years old which is real by the way well i was arrested for vandalism but it was because of a fire on dry grass uh dry grass can get you into a lot of trouble can get you in the hands of police so uh um Mm -hmm. yeah by the way that Suck, do not arrest kids. That ruined my life for a long time. Um Here's the thing. Or don't arrest kids for anything, no matter what the crime is. Here's the thing. Well, we're not going to do that anymore because didn't you hear
2: Kamala Harris's campaign is, like, kaput? It
0: is? She's
2: done? I mean, basically. It's like there was, like, a new New York Times article today about, like, inside turmoil and... Uh, like basically the campaign going to put, So yeah. it seems like it's totally like sinking ship, which we kind of already knew, but the, but the article in the Times is pretty funny. Also, it makes a note that the staffing inside the campaign was highly concerned with um, people's complaints about the candidate on Twitter.
0: Amazing.
2: Which just goes to show everyone all of our aggressive Bernie bros out there. Harassment Eat works. Bowling.
0: Harassment <laughs> works. Here's the thing too. That's I, I, right. I haven't read this article yet, but there's no doubt that it mentions Maya Harris, her sister slash. Oh uh, yeah, it does. Ursatz campaign manager. But anyways, back to uh, Jeffrey Epstein, another person, another loser. Uh, same, basically the same as Kamala Harris. Um, <laughs> This this account says some pretty funny things. So on Wikipedia there is a talk page where you have to sort of justify your edits, etc. And um, what, what this Turville posted some long posts, but uh, here is here is a quote just from a section of one. And this is about the mugshot that was being used for the Epstein photo. I am very concerned about having a mugshot in the photo with mugshot captions. Wikipedia, as you know, is very conservative in its usage of mugshots. Otherwise, they would be used for people such as Al Pacino. They are not used when there are other salient aspects of the person, too. Um, they also go later go on to say, I am not in the business of whitewashing criminals, which, if was this was Epstein... First of all, that's insanely funny. But if this was Epstein's reputation manager, you are literally... One of the very few people on this this planet of billions that literally is in the business of whitewashing criminals, which you are engaged in with that actual sentence, which is super funny to me. But but it seems like the main thrust of the Turville stuff was to to replace the uh, pedophilia stuff with science, which is kind of a microcosm of this whole post-arrest life, right?
2: Yeah, um, it definitely seems, you know, I was just thinking when you were reading all that, I'm looking at Wikipedia, too, right now. Um, it's interesting, like, I would imagine that there's, this is such a huge business, like, such a cottage industry, Absolutely. reputational, whatever. Like, I'm just, I, like, I would totally do that. Sorry, this is like maybe just me musing, but I'm like, it's so, I, for one, as many have noted, have like very little internet presence online. You can't actually find out that much about me. So I'm very good at it. And like, I'm just imagining like a team of like social media editors, like complaining with like Reddit forums, talking about Jeffrey Epstein or talking about their famous clients or whatever. It sounds like not a bad gig
0: for the perma online. I will say one of the most humiliating things because I have a Wikipedia page, and one of the most humiliating Ugh. things is when people find it, they automatically assume that I made it. Which is, to be clear, Ugh. I had, I didn't need, no, I did not make it. I would never do any fucking insane thing like that. I wish it did not exist.
2: That's like possibly the dorkiest thing that anyone could ever do.
0: Yeah. I mean, it has nicknames, like- it literally says my nickname is Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> which is come on, a guy called me that one time. Well, he called me that a bunch of times, Wait, but that's not a thing, is it? Well, when I was in Syria, uh, uh, one of my one of my squad mates, uh, no matter what the situation, even if it was a fairly hectic one, would turn to me and say, "Mr. Bean," which was which uh... was admittedly insanely funny, uh, but uh, yeah, it is. Um, it is, it is. I just want to reiterate the point that anyone, one, don't
2: be like obscene. Don't create yeah. or, and edit your own internet Never. persona online. Don't create a Wikipedia page, don't anything. Like, just be cool. Just be cool. First That's of the all, thing- rule of thumb, don't have a big internet presence to begin with, like me. If you can't help it, hire a service to delete everything. Yeah. But don't like get out there and manage your reputation because that is some mega dork pedo shit.
0: That's the thing, is that like it used to be that that people on the left or just people in general were concerned about like things like wiretaps and spying. And now it's like I mean, I know this is sort of a played out point, but like don't give them more information than you have to. It's Mm-mm. it's it's that's generally a good rule of thumb. It's kind of a lost cause for me. But I there I do have yeah. I did I no, well I did spread some purposeful misinformation so uh, <laughs> I did and uh, that's true you could run your own like your own controlled opposition campaign and like
2: get some like maybe there's like a kind of Russian bot campaign you could run or something.
0: Well, there is weirdly enough another guy in California with literally the same name as me, which is my my name is Brace Belden. This guy is 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 a Latino dude in L.A. It's insane. He's the only other person in the same in the world that has the same name as me. He will not respond to my Facebook messages. His wife <laughs> told me that was just his name and gave me no further. Th- it's been driving me insane. Anyways, his there's information-
2: actually a girl with my name too in Indiana or Illinois, and I've known about her since I was like in high school. I'm gonna marry. her. I was very online
0: uh, teenager.
2: But uh,
0: yeah, I have got my eye on you, other Liz Franza. Same with you, Brace Belden. If they start a podcast, we're sunk. Um, oh. so so Epstein's I I, I I invite you all to look at the Turville page. Um, it is pretty weird. Uh, it's just sort of a glimpse. It's 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 I mean this woman, Christina Galbraith, she is of course a writer for uh, my alma mater, the National Review. Uh, and has written mm. for Forbes and stuff like that, but it seems like she's like a pay for like pay to play writer. Like she'll just write if you want her to write something, you'll give her the information. She puts it out. Oh, Basically, a copywriter you know, for pedophiles. Funny you mention that. Just like our friend Malcolm Gladwell. Well, speaking of Malcolm Gladwell, he actually, I mean, he came out and uh, and said that all this concern about the BBC being for oh, excuse me, not the BBC, the NHS in Britain being for sale is a bunch of poppycock. And in fact, that uh, it, like th- them buying generic drugs from America and like a trade deal is actually a good thing. Yeah.
2: Well, you know what's also—I mean, I just brought up that joke about Michael uh, Malcolm Gladwell because I did see that clip this weekend. It was perfect. But also, I mean, it's been—and we haven't really talked about this, but I, you know, we obviously don't like or respect Malcolm Gladwell in any way. No. Let's not forget he's on the log. But, um, and in the box book, I believe, but, um, you know, it's been reported for, I mean, at least since the late nineties, uh, that he's like a completely pay to play journalist oh, absolutely. and had extensive, uh, like contracts with Philip Morris on like smoking and like basically writing like pro smoking. We don't actually know that links to cancer articles, like legitimately writing that yep. and uh i
0: think david carr is it was it david Carr? was david Carr? yes wrote,
2: hold on i'll get it, <laughs> are, <laughs> it is. Um,
0: are you acting, singing are you singing uh, uh do you know that i actually i sang putting on the ritz at the makeout room once to a, a, a filled crowd you did tell me that, but I was actually singing the Sex in the City theme. Is, is Sex and the City oh. theme put on the reds? No. Similar. You've seen Sex and the City? Um, not, like, in full. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> no, in... So, uh, actually, in the early 2000s, David Carr wrote a pretty, like, in-depth, uh, yeah. you know a hit piece, it's kind of a hit piece Love on hit Malcolm Bodwell um, kind of exposing and this is what like kind of after he was still writing high on the fame from The Tipping Point, his dumbass book, yep. Malcolm Bodwell, not David Carr. but um, basically all of his like contracts with marketing companies uh, and that they would basically uh, send him to Summit and then he would go, you know, around the on the like PR circuit and kind of peddle these talking points that he was given as if they were his, you know, expert opinion and based on his like logic and reasoning that he does with his big, big boy brain. Yeah. But, um, that's basically exactly what he said on the BBC, which is so funny because he was in the like interview on BBC. He was saying that, uh, us drug prices, who generics are much cheaper than they are in the UK, right? And the guy on the BBC was kind of pushing back on that talking point because that elides the kind of, one, the, the, the mix of product, and two, the fact that the NHS isn't run for profit, and so, um, you know, there's a lot more, there's a lot of different trade and manufacturing considerations that are going into it. Of course, it's well known that, uh, medical costs and pharma costs, not generics, but hardly anything is generic, by the way, are way more expensive in yeah. the United States, right? But um, Malcolm Godwell in that interview was like, Well, I just attended a talk about this and you're coming back at me, but I literally just listened to this. And so he's admitting it, like, On the BBC, I mean, it's not like there was just, oh, I was just at this nonpartisan conference and then happened to agree to come on the BBC. It just says this breaking news of the NHS getting sold off in trade talks with the U.S. dealing with Brexit is coming to light.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. He's obviously like, it's not not a... Malcolm Gladwell is not British, everybody. Like, this is not, there's no reason to get his opinion. There is, there is a, he was purposely put on that show with uh, a mission, let's say. Um, and I'll tell yeah, you what. Only, like, I'm saying, the only reason he was there is because he was
2: paid by the people peddling whatever they needed him to say, wanted him there.
0: Yeah. I mean, he is, he is, uh, he is for sale. Let's put it that way. Yeah, uh, this
2: is his entire career.
0: Yeah, I would love to buy him and then make him do something uh, forever. If you know what I mean. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's he's fucking scum. What other scum do we got to talk about?
2: Uh, well, we're gonna get into some more British stuff later, right? Yes. Um, I um. We should mention that this on the second
0: December second, which is what is that Tuesday? Uh sometime um, next week, yeah. I think it's Monday or Tuesday. Monday.
2: Uh Virginia Jeffrey, they're airing a an interview with her on BBC. I think it's about an hour interview.
0: Yeah, on where Panorama. He
2: kind of like claps back at the print and the clown and contests uh his version of events. But we should say that and this is important. That the interview with Virginia was recorded before the Prince's explosive BBC interview. So it's not going to reference anything in particular, like the size of his neck, or the sweaty defense, or, you know, his obvious guilt, or all the lying in, you know, in particular. So... Just some to note, but that'll that'll be an interesting watch. It seems like the British press is doing a lot more coverage than the American press.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I think I think it's more lurid for them. They, I mean, they're 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 famously like a tabloid based, you know, kind of media circuit there. So it's it's they they love this kind of stuff. I mean, they will in the final analysis they will of course defend the royal family, but I think they're pretty much willing to cast Andrew out at this point. And Virginia Jeffrey is a good—I mean, she has been really the main sort of like, uh, you know, a victim here who's come forward. I mean, a lot of this stems from her, and she knows what she's talking about. So th- I, I think that she'll be pretty good in, in in putting to bed all of Andrew's bullshit, even though it was recorded before that. Because she knows she knows the lies that he's going to tell, you know, the whole hand thing. And I don't know if we mentioned this in the last episode. I think we might have that there was that sort of unsourced, of course, article that came out in the British press that Ghislaine Maxwell was going to come out of hiding to basically say that the hand around Virginia Jeffrey's waist in that photo of Prince, uh, Prince Andrew is fake. So that is definitely the talking point they're running for. She knows that, and I think she'll be ready for that. Yeah.
2: So I want to tune into that. Usually it takes about a day if you're in the States, um, yeah. a day or two for that, to kind of reach it. YouTube
0: or whatever it is. So we should mention that. But there was, there's other British stuff in the news, right, Brady? Yeah, the o- election is coming up, and it is, uh, it is basically a really sort of hard-pressed Corbyn against a pretty powerful Boris Johnson at this point. Um, Which, by the way, like, man, if if things don't turn around quickly, and there
2: was just a new like today or yesterday that came out and it doesn't it's not looking good for labor and if things don't turn around quickly the election's in what two weeks On the 15th uh the 12th i think um the 12th uh labor is gonna have to do some real soul searching <laughs> that's all i'll say yeah it's because a- it's completely insane that boris johnson like Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson, uh-huh. Boris Johnson
0: Boorish could Johnson.
2: win a, like 60 seats, could win 60 seats in the election and have like a massive mandate in this situation. Like that to me is just, I love Jeremy Corbyn, but it's hard to not be real critical here.
0: Yeah. And, and to me, to be, to be clear, I think Jeremy Corbyn is, is trying his hardest, but I think that unfortunately the labor party, I mean, it's, you've got to look at what he's done in just the past few years or the whole labor left has done. They have gotten really far, but you know, we are talking mm-hmm. about an institution, the labor party that is, has deep roots in sort of the neoliberal so-called center left or no, let's call it the center left because that's what it is. Uh, this neoliberal center left, this 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 basically organization, that it's 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 odd because our our side in labor, you know, the the labor left is is the is sort of the wreckers coming in here to change things, or not the wreckers, but you know they 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 are the minority coming in to change things, and and the institutions of the labor party are allied. The basically deep state within labor has been stymieing them at every turn, and uh, yeah, it's worrisome, but. I don't. I don't like that Corbin. Corbin says he will step down. I believe if this election is lost, um, and I'm really afraid of who who could come next.
2: Yes, I agree. I just think that um, if Corbin has to step down, if Labor loses, like what if what the if these polls are correct, and again, God knows, we have no idea. Um, although there are three to believe that they're not too far off, um, that. You know, the sort of like tenuous, I mean, I would call it tenuous labor coalition that exists currently. Uh, you know, there's not to be a real postmortem done by the left on, and like a real analysis about what's going on. Um, I think that. Unfortunately, what I mean, what I would think would happen is, if Corbin steps down, which is, again you said that he would, that then you would see a lot of the really good, uh, good proposals that he has pushed onto the um, onto the platform, really like taken off and like really important. Parts of the manifesto I think will be like taken off and you will see kind of a cultural center left turn or a more complete turn unless the party can be completely harangued
0: yeah I mean the thing is my hope here is is of course well not my hope but what I predict could happen sort of the best case scenario of the worst case scenario obviously the best case scenarios they, they somehow win but uh, that Brexit happens, that it is a disaster, and that Corbyn is the only one that can fix it. Because I do think that is true. Like I think that like if they do like a shitty Brexit deal, which I mean, if they're trying to do a trade deal with America, they probably don't care about that. They will do because they'll just sort of think of. I'm sure Bojo is dealing with Trump pretty closely at this point. Um, that 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 things yeah. will be so mm-hmm. fucked up that Corbyn can only fix it, or only Corbyn can fix it.
2: I don't know. I mean, that's, I, I. yeah, I don't know. I. Um, my understanding from, uh, yeah, I think there's like kind of like two sides to that where on the one hand, like, you know, if they do Brexit on the 31st, which is what Rojo has promised, I mean, God knows what that means at this point, right? But, um, you know, you are going to have to be making trade deals with the Americans and yep. be setting that up because uh, it, it's going to be very complicated getting a lot of that stuff through with the council.
0: Yep.
2: Um, and so it's not surprising to me that they've already been in those talks. It sounds like Theresa May was in those talks, like that's yep. how long that was going back. But um My understanding is that the kind of, like, so-called Norway option, which I believe is what Corbyn has said that he's interested in, is, like, pretty much off the table from the perspective of the EU. So it's very complicated. Um, I don't know. I really have – it all seems to be shifting, like – daily, <laughs> and I, I really can't tell, like, what the UK is, is going to do. It, it sounds like there's going to be, like, a capital, I mean, that could be bank runs just in case of Brexit. Like, it just seems like no one really knows what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think the situation is good for labor, and it's a shame, but... It is. Things could still
0: change. Uh, Well, Liz, thank you so much for joining me. Well, always, of course. Even when I'm not there, I'm there. I know. I actually (laughs) keep my phone on FaceTime and put it in my front pocket and sort of walk around like like in that movie Her so Liz can see all the gyms that I go to every day. I go to about (laughs) six gyms a day. Uh, solely to catch men in the act of uh, drying their testicles in those Dyson air dryer things, sort of dropping them in like a a penny in a pond. Uh, But yes, we shall be back, and Liz shall be back in town, uh, and and I I say to you, says, good evening. Yes, yes. Have a good one. Miss you guys. So this has been another scintillating, titillating episode of True and On, I am Brace Belden, joined by Liz. Hi. And of course, our indomitable producer Young Chomsky. And uh, for me, I bid you farewell. Yeah, I'll be
2: back in back in black next episode. Yep. Uh you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jeffrey Aston Jeffrey Aston Jeffrey Jeff, Jeff